Welcome everyone to Creating a Family, talk about adoption and foster care. I am Dawn Davenport. I am your intrepid host as well as the, I guess, intrepid director of Creating a Family, the national adoption, foster care, and kinship care, education, and support nonprofit. Hey, I have a favor to ask. Please pop over to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast app you are using and give us a rating. Ratings are how people find us. It is how we get increased listenership. That is really important to us and our mission. And uh, we would really appreciate it. It doesn't take very long and the appreciation is huge. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about how to afford adoption, an important topic for sure. We will be talking with Julie Gum. She and her high school sweetheart have been married for 26 years and are now raising adult children. And they're at that phase of their parenting with their four kids. They have two biological kids and two, they adopted two older siblings from Ethiopia in 2009. She is the author of the book, You Can Adopt Without Debt. Creative Ways to Cover the Cost of Adoption, which is endorsed by the Dave Ramsey Show. Welcome, Julie, to Creating a Family. Thank you so much for, for doing this, this course and this show for us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I think it's important to start with the fact, the reality that adoptions cost a fair amount of money. That's just the truth. A domestic adoption can cost anywhere. There, there, are, there are ways to do it. There are some adoptions that will be less, but the average is anywhere from thirty-five to 45000 for a domestic infant. For an international adoption, the cost is anywhere from thirty-five dollars to $50,000, depending on yeah. how much travel you have. Now, it, it is possible to adopt from foster care for next to free or free. It does not cost money. However, it is important to note that that all three of these are very different types of adoption, and one type of adoption may be better for you than another. So we're going to be focusing today on adoptions that do cost money and how in the world you can go around affording to, to adopt. So let's start with your story. So how did you, you adopted two children. Uh, how did, did, you, did you adopt two at the same time? Yes, they were siblings, so we adopted them at the same time. Right. So, and you were you did not have just a pile of money sitting in your bank account waiting to be no. utilized, uh, <laughs> as as do most of us not have. So, how did you afford to adopt? Yeah. So, I mean, we did have like what we call our emergency fund. We're big Dave Ramsey people, you know. So we had our emergency fund with like ten thousand dollars in it, but that was about it. Um, and, you know, starting out, I kind of thought, well, we'll probably end up taking a loan out for it and it's fine. We'll pay it off as soon as we can. But, you know, we had made this commitment to really be debt free. We had bought cheap cars and, you know, done all of this sort of stuff. And, and my husband and I really kind of finally felt after I got over the panic initially (laughs) at the price tag, kind of felt like that's what we wanted to do with our adoption as well. So for us, that looked like um, I did some freelance work. I, I do web design and marketing and writing and editing and usually just um, word of mouth, take it as it comes. We would use the money for extra stuff like vacation or a new couch or you know stuff like that. But it was really cool because right about the time that we started the adoption process, I just kept getting freelance job after freelance job after freelance job. So we paid for about $8,000 of our adoption that way. Um, And our adoption, I mean, again, it was 11 years ago. So it was on the lower end of the scale, I would say, for the two kids. And, you know, adopting two kids at the same time was not technically twice as expensive because some fees got combined. But so I freelanced. Uh, My husband's always been a person who like, goes to the thrift stores and finds the stuff that you can sell on eBay for five times as much money as it costs you. And so he did a lot of that with golf clubs and just weird random stuff that you can make money off of like TV remotes. Anyways, um, we tightened our budget. You know, we really kind of eliminated eating out and I did a lot less impulse purchasing at Target and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then our big fundraiser that we did was a garage sale. And we did that with friends who were adopting at the same time. And we made around $6,000. So 
that was a chunk of it. We took our savings. We basically depleted our savings and we had some gifts from some friends and yeah, that's kind of how we did it. It wasn't, I mean, there was, there's all kinds of stuff I found in researching the book and talking to other people and their stories that I was like, darn, I wish I had known about that when yeah. we were doing the adoption. I totally would have done that. <laughs> well, that's so. why you wrote a book for the rest of us. There exactly. you go. Exactly. Yes. All right. So let's start with saving money. And you have a say, saying in your book that uh, start with the money you already have, which is also a Dave Ramsey saying as yeah. well. So in fact, maybe we should give him the credit for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't write that myself. <laughs> yeah. So what do you mean by there? What does he mean by the expression, start with the money you already have? Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly enough, like the statistics will show that two thirds of Americans don't have a budget, you know, in their marriage, in their life. Maybe they have some loose idea of where their money goes, but they haven't actually sat down and done a budget and really determined where every dollar goes that they're spending. And that's a process that we went through as part of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University like years before that. Mm-hmm. And nobody likes budgeting. Um, and it's, you know, there were some arguments along the way, but um, but it's important to do because if you don't know where your money's going, you're leaking money places mm-hmm. that you can pull back on and then put that into the savings for your adoption. You know, we we led Financial Peace University in our church for, I don't know, five or six years and counseled numerous couples. Mm-hmm. And when they would start to put down on paper, you know, save all the receipts for a month and figure out where everything's going, they were stunned to find out, oh my gosh, I can't believe I spent that much money eating out, or we can't believe we spend this much on groceries and, you know, these sorts of things. And so I think the first thing that's really important is to make a budget and there's some great apps out there. Um, I mean, Dave Ramsey's got tools. His daughter, Rachel Cruz has a, her own show now, and she has lots of um, videos and great advice for budgeting. And so I think that's the number one thing that families need to do. Make a budget, figure out how much money you have to spend to cover your bills and expenses, and then figure out where the rest of it's going to go and what part of that you can put toward your adoption. And it doesn't mean that that you don't have any, what my mother used to call mad money. Yeah. <laughs> that may be something that you will want to budget in. But Absolutely. It might be, in fact, to a certain amount, there is some, there's something healthy about having some money that, that you can be frivolous with. However, when you're saving for something big, it is... It's it's uh, sometimes you may choose not to, but then at least it's your choice at that point. So budgeting yeah. is not as austere as people seem to make it. I, I remember having this uh, epiphany oh, was many, 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 many years ago when I realized that uh, I was, we were setting up a budget because we needed to save money and we needed to be, we needed to have some options open in our lives that, that money was going to require. And we set up a budget and I realized that I spent $10 a week on, it wasn't necessarily Starbucks, but it was drinking coffee out. And I was, I was totally surprised by that because honestly, it didn't even mean that much to me. It was like, it was just kind of a, a filler. Like when I'd drop a kid off and I would you know, have a little bit of time before I picked them up from their music lesson or whatever, I would pop in and grab something at Starbucks. And I was routinely spending $10 a week. Well, that adds up, adds it up does, pretty quickly, yeah. $520 a year. And mm-hmm. I thought, do I get $520 worth of enjoyment? Do I even get five bucks worth of enjoyment or five bucks twice a week. And the truth was I didn't. Now there are other things that I, that's what I thought. I said, give me that 520 and I would rather spend it on clothes. (laughs) So, or (laughs) something that, something that I care about, not something that I I actually don't care about. So budgeting is, uh, is not really as it's onerous as people, as people say, or people imagine to begin with. It's basically giving you control over your money. Cause if you don't have a budget, your money is really controlling you. It's just going out the door. And then you have the stress of whether you can pay that bill or various stuff. And when you sit down and you put it on paper, you get to decide where the money goes and what's important to you. How do people know what they're spending money on. I know that seems like a a silly question, but I think a lot of times people don't know, like I didn't know until we were saving receipts that I was spending that much money on Starbucks. Yeah. Say like a couple of the budgeting apps will let you kind of tie in your debit card and you can categorize expenses and that will help. Um, But yeah, save receipts for a month or two months because no month is the same either. That was one of our early budgeting mistakes is I tried to make a a budget that worked 
generically for every month, but different times of year, you know, there's like back to school clothes purchasing and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's birthdays and all that sort of stuff that's different. So Mm -hmm. yeah, save receipts and talk through it with your spouse. If you're married, it's important that you be on the same page. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would save receipts for two to three months, even as you're making changes and adjustments and track those expenses. And it sounds like it's a pain, like a pain, but it's really not that bad. (laughs) A budget that a lot of people like is YNAB, Y you need a budget. Yep. Uh, that seems to work for especially people who don't necessarily take this the all cash approach that that one I have heard people uh, have a lot of success with. All yeah. right. Yep. So the first step to uh, affording adoption is to set up a budget yep. with if you're married with your partner and then stick with your budget. I yep. guess that, that goes without saying. And right? too, and look for, you know, look for big areas in that budget where you might save money. Yeah. Let's um, talk about you know, some of those. Yeah. So there's a several couples that I talked to in, in, in writing my book who they figured out, you know what, we could get by on one car for a year. You know, we, we work in the same area or, you know, whatever it is, somebody takes mass transportation, whatever. So they sold a car, got out from underneath, either, either they pocketed cash if they owned it, mm-hmm. or they got out from underneath, you know, a three, $400 car payment, mm-hmm. um, plus your insurance, plus your gas. And yes. so, or, you know, like if you own a boat or an RV or, you know, any of those kind of big, you know, like luxury items, is it worth selling it? Does that get you ahead in the game mm-hmm. significantly? So, And you can always in the future change your mind and say, you know what? The hassle of not having of having just one car is not worth it. Yeah, and you could change your mind. But if you're saving for a purpose, and this a baby or a child mm-hmm. is a is a big purpose. It's a, yeah. it should be a motivating purpose. So, yeah. what can you do to? All right, uh, what are some other areas that people in their in your in your spending? What are some areas that we can focus on where a lot of people are able to save substantial money? Eating out is a big one, I think, yeah. for a lot of people, especially, you know, we're in, in a society where you're rushing around, you're working log hours, you're carpooling kids to athletic practices. And oh my goodness, like we're just on the go so much. And it's mm-hmm. easier to pick up fast food in a drive through or, you know, eat out as a family. Cause I mean, as a mom, good grief, I'm tired. Like the last thing I want to do when I get home is cook. But it, I mean, it adds up to hundreds of dollars every month, usually for a lot of people. And, and again, you know, same kind of idea with the fun money. Don't be unrealistic and say, we're never eating out again. Mm -hmm. Just decide, you know, this is how much we're going to spend on eating out in a month. And, you know, for the, with the Dave Ramsey system, he has the cash, you know, use cash, you'll spend less thing. And, and I, I, I believe it, I see it. And I think that helps in some of these areas. It's a, it's a little inconvenient and it's hard. Mm -hmm. Like who's, who needs the eating out money and you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff, but it does help you when you're creating new habits, stick to Mm -hmm. something because you can say, Oh, okay. I only have $20 in the eating out envelope to last me till the next payday. I guess we're doing McDonald's instead of Chili's, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Yeah. So you know, just where can you, how can you cut back on that? Can you take your lunch to work instead of going out mm-hmm. every day? You know, maybe just go out to eat with fr- your worker coworkers once a week, you know, yeah, or something that's like that. a, and the other thing is, I think that the cutting back as someone who has cut back on eating out, one of the things that helps is to plan in advance because yes. oftentimes my eating out was a, Oh, gee whiz. You know, <laughs> there's nothing, I don't have anything fixed. The kids are all crying. They're hungry and I've got to yeah. come up with something. And so planning in advance, getting some foods in the freezer, also having some quick fixes on hand. Mm-hmm. Not every yep. not every weeknight meal has to be gourmet, which is kind of a joke because of course frozen none of them pizza. Were. Yeah, yep. frozen pizza well, instead of delivery, you know. Exactly. I was just going to say, and that and for us when we do family night, we you know, we used to have a call in, you know, we would delivery pizza. Now yeah. we do a frozen pizza. And you yeah. know, it's not exactly the same, but honestly, we really don't nobody really cares. Yeah. And different different person gets to pick out what pizza we have that that family night. So, and that has saved a, when it adds up over the months and the months add up over the years and we have saved a substantial amount of money. Uh, And for us, you're right about eating out is, is a treat. But what we found was that we had a lot more fun with it 
when we didn't when we waste our budget on McDonald's or Chili's with the kids, but we saved it and spent it with just my husband and I going out. <laughs> and uh, yes, babysitter for the kids and mm-hmm. uh, uh, something they liked from the uh, from the yeah. uh, fun food for them at home with the fun babysitter, not boring parents. Mm-hmm. And then we would save our going out money for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just going to say, I felt like it was a win-win all the way around. There you go. All right. So how much in advance, how much can people save on, and this obviously depends on how much their budget is and how much they make and everything else, but yeah. is it, how much can people save and how far in advance? So you've got a, let's say you've got a $35,000 adoption cost staring you in the face. So yeah. how much in advance does one need to because usually at this point, people are, are wanting to get on with it. So yep. they're not mm-hmm. patient. Yeah. 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 I usually say as soon as you know you want to adopt, because I think for a lot of us, it's like, oh, we know we want to adopt. Boom. We start the process and we're going. Like we're running down the thing. And, you know, our yep. adoption took a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not very much. And we maybe had like one month or two months of like really hardcore considering. I mean, it's always been like an idea really far back in the, in the back of our heads. But, but I know there's, there's a lot of, of families who even like before they get married, they say, Oh, you know what? I think, you know, we'd like to adopt someday. We'll start then and start small, you know, if it's five, six years down the road, but start those habits early. But yeah, you really basically have to start as soon as you just decide you're going to adopt. But I mean, the good news is that $35,000 is not due in one chunk. You know, you're paying for Mm -hmm. things along the way, whether it's, home inspections or paperwork fees or lawyers fees and that sort of stuff. And so, you know, we would kind of just work toward the next chunk of money that we knew we were going to have to, to mm-hmm. pay. Um, sometimes we would get a little far ahead, you know, ahead and have a cushion, but sometimes we were scrambling at the last minute too. So, um, you know, and families have, you know, if you just talk about like how much can they cut out of their budget, I've talked to families who it's been tight and they've only been able to find like a couple hundred dollars extra every month. So they have to lean into some of the other things. Mm -hmm. And then I've talked to families who, you know, sold a car and did some other stuff and they were putting $900 a month from their quote budget into a savings account. So Mm -hmm. it's really a wide, a wide range. Okay. And for, uh, let me suggest a resource for if you're looking for how long do adoptions take? So that gives you an idea from how much you need to be saving in advance, how much do they cost and things such as that. The Creating a Family website has a terrific resource called Adoption in the U.S. And then we update it every year. So this mm-hmm. year, it's whatever the year is. So it would be adoption in the U.S., whatever the current year is, how many, how much, and how long do they take? And <laughs> you can find it at the creatingafamily.org website. Yeah, it's a great resource. Big news, everyone. The Jockey Bean Family Foundation has provided us with scholarships for free access to five of our most popular courses. You can find these courses and the coupon code at the website bit.ly slash JBF support. That is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash all cap J-B-F, then cap S for support. So J-B-F-S, that's all capitalized, then U-P-P-O-R-T. Again, the coupon code to get you these courses free is going to be on that page as well. And the courses are Raising Resilient Kids with Dr. Ken Ginsberg, Raising a Child with ADHD to a Successful and Healthy Adulthood with Dr. Ned Hallowell, Unexpected Stresses for Newly Adoptive Parents, Practical Solutions to Typical Food Issues with Dr. Katja Rao, and Parenting Children Who Have Experienced Trauma with Karen Buckwalter. Make sure you go to the bit.ly slash JBF support to get information on these courses. 
right. So another thing that we need to, to get out of the way at the very beginning is to talk about, or at least just to let everyone know, there is a federal adoption tax credit. It alters, yes. it, it is adjusted to uh, inflation, so it changes slightly every year. Mm-hmm. And we have at the creatingafamily.org website, we have an adoption tax credit center with lots and lots and lots of up-to-date resources for that year. So I recommend that. It's in the $13,000, $14,000 range. Yeah. It is a tax credit. So you have to have federal tax liability with which to offset it. And obviously, you get it after your taxes. So it's not something that you can, you know, it, you get it. I'm sorry. You get it after your adoption. Right. Uh, depending on what type of adoption, there are differences, whether it's an international, a foster care, or a domestic infant adoption. But you may have to spend the money, but if you know you're going to get this money back, then that allows you to step out on faith because you know at that point, you've got a guarantee that this money is coming in. Yeah. You can use it to replenish your emergency fund that you drained. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that, yeah. Okay. I'm not exactly, you know, I'm stepping out a little bit. I'm I'm being a little risky because I don't have an emergency fund, but come uh, April or May of next year, I should then have enough money to replace that. Yeah. Also, and, and you can carry it forward for five years too. So yes. if your tax liability isn't $14,000 your first year and it's $4,000, you'll get $4,000 back. And mm-hmm. then if it's you know another three the next year. So you so it's actually the year you file plus five years. So over six years. Yes. Um, there was a small window of time I think it was two years, maybe even only one, where they made it refundable. That is no longer the case. I know. And so, and there's some lobbying efforts to put that back in place. We happen to be able to take advantage of that, like the second year after our adoption. So we just got the rest of the money back that other year, which was really nice, but Mm. it would be nice if they would do that again. But yeah, so it, you know, over the course of several years, it may take you to get that, but it's per child too. So if you Mm -hmm. adopt siblings like we did at the same time, it was that same, you know, it's for us, I think at the time it was like 12,000 something times two. The thing you have to note that is if you do not have, you need to understand what your federal tax liability is average on a year so that you know how much you're going to get back. Because yes. otherwise, you could, if you're thinking all of a sudden I'm going to get 13, 14, whatever it is that year, $1,000 back, and it actually takes you five years to get all of that, then you mm-hmm. will then, you need to know in advance yeah, how absolutely. much you're going to do back so that you know what type of risk you're taking yep. uh, in getting it. Yeah. Keep in mind that some certain states also have an adoption tax credit and certain employers have adoption, adoption employee benefits. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so, um, and more and more are, uh, there, the Dave Thomas foundation has a great annual report on adoption friendly workplaces, which, uh, highlights employers who do offer generous and healthy, uh, adoption employee benefits, so adoption benefits. Yeah. And they also have some great tools in there too, for if you want to talk to your employer about yes. having them, uh, you know, like what are the benefits of having it and that sort of stuff. So there's like this whole kit that they have that provides you with a bunch of like statistics and resources and stuff like that. So that if you want to go and talk to your HR department, and share with them the value of adding adoption benefits to their benefit package, they help you really get started. And I have a friend who um, was adopting, working at the university where I work now. And during her process, she started lobbying them and they put it in place. Now, it was too late for her to take advantage of it. But since then, there have been other people that have taken advantage of it. So it was a great, you know, a great thing for her to do. So, and it, you know, there's, there's things like paid leave and stuff like that, but really the nice thing is the financial benefit if the, the companies might offer. And um, one, it is not subject to income tax. And so if you're getting $5,000 in adoption benefit, you don't have to pay income taxes mm-hmm. on it. Um, you know, sometimes you get it after the adoption is finalized. Sometimes you can get expenses reimbursed as you incur them if you like show receipts and stuff. So it works different ways at different employers. Mm-hmm. But when, and we'll probably talk about the second job idea too, but I often tell people if you're going to go look for a second job, 
see if you can get one in one of these places that offers adoption benefits, you know, because yes. then you kind of get double benefit. Absolutely. Uh, before we get off and we're going to move into second job, but before we do that, I just want to make certain that I also say and reinforce what you said, and that is oftentimes all it takes to have your employer, particularly if you're in a larger em- employer, is a one of the larger organizations, all it takes is being asked by their employee that to provide this benefit. Oftentimes yeah. the reason they haven't done it is something nobody's ever asked. They've yeah. never, they've never given it any thought. The Dave Thomas foundation for adoption website does have information on how you go about, they, how you go about asking, they have sample letters, they've got just lots of information. And, you know, that, but I tell my kids, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And so that's, it's often the case. Now, mind you, I don't tell them that about asking me for things. However, I tell them in life, that's a good approach. Uh, so in life, this is a good approach. Ask yeah. and the answer might be yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now moving to second jobs or, or freelance ideas. Yeah. That is an incredibly effective way to save money or to pay down debt, whichever yeah. one. So let's talk a little about that. Yeah. Well, you know, as far as freelance, I always tell people like, what are the skills you have or what are the things you're doing? And could you turn that into an income generating source? You know, so if you're a writer, could you somehow make some extra money doing that? Or could you be, could you consult on something, you know, whatever. If you make jewelry and just sell it to a few of your friends every once in a while, could you turn that into an income source? I don't suggest going out and trying to suddenly start a new hobby and make money on it that you really are not experienced in. I had the great idea of making jewelry and I tried to, and I bought a bunch of stuff and I made one necklace and it took four hours and I gave up. (laughs) So, um, and spent a lot of money on supplies. Exactly. So, you know, look for the things that you're already doing or you're good at. And then second jobs, you know, you have to look at, do I have capacity to do this? But the same thing with, you know, going down to one car or something, these are like short-term sacrifices. We're not Mm -hmm. saying you have to have a second job for the next 10 years of your life. We're saying, could you do it for a year, you know, or even nine months, you know, or whatever, you know, and you could do it in spurts. But so, you know, newspaper routes, which I realize those are getting few and far between these days, everything's Mm -hmm. going digital, but you know, pizza delivery driver, mm-hmm. um, cashier, you know, cashier, ride share. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't around when we were, <laughs> we yeah, were doing share. our adoption, but yeah. yeah, ride share, you know, there's, and seasonal jobs too. Like as you come into, maybe you can't do it all the time, but you know, around Christmas time, Target and Walmart and all those places are hiring seasonal workers for three or four months, you know, and do, could you do that? You know, Amazon delivery, there's all kinds of like you know, kind of self-contractor work that you could do. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, you know, I talk to moms who are like, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I have three kids and like, I can't like go get a second job. Well, could you care for one or two more kids in your home mm-hmm. if you're already home during the day? And you need to check with your state about licensing requirements, but usually you know, one or two kids doesn't require you to be licensed. You know, it's like if you have more than X number of kids, you know, or some, mm-hmm. could you do random babysitting for your, your, you know, your other mm-hmm. mom friends that <laughs> would be like, yeah, I'll pay you to watch my kid for a day so I can have a free day. And so there's, you know, there's different opportunities and you have to find what fits within your lifestyle and, you know, and what you can manage. But you know, Starbucks is a great one. They have, oh my gosh, I think their adoption benefit even went up. I know it's at least $6,000 is their adoption benefit. And mm-hmm. I talked to a gal and she worked for them the whole process of her adoption. So she had second income plus the adoption benefit. Mm-hmm. She took some time off when the kids came home. She came back, she worked for a few more months and then like way reduced hours. And then she decided to quit and, you know, her, her manager was like, Hey, if you guys decide to adopt again, come back, I'll hire you again. You know, so mm-hmm. it was, you know, you shouldn't leave this like, Oh, you were only working for us because you wanted the adoption benefit kind of taste in their mouth. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, being creative, thinking about it and realizing that it's not forever that mm-hmm. yes. Okay. During this holiday season, you're, uh, you may be working at, uh, at target, at odd hours and you're not seeing your kids as much and you're not seeing your husband as much, but it's a short term time. It's, yeah. Or yeah. you, you, maybe you or your husband is driving for UPS during the holiday season, yeah. or you work every Saturday at the local Starbucks and yep. it's yeah. not ideal, 
But I do think you're right that you do have to look and see realistically, do you have the bandwidth to take on another job? Even temporarily, if it's going to endanger your relationship, Mm -hmm. then it is truly not worth that. Uh, Oftentimes, however, when people go into it, it actually draws them closer because what they realize, they're working towards a common goal. Uh, And again, it's important to value your relationships and relationships do take time, be there with your partner or be there with your children. So it is important to kind of think through that and at least be realistic Mm -hmm. on that one. All right. Another idea is selling items that you have, but don't use much or don't need or could not use for a period of time. You have talked about big items like cars and boats and RVs, which is obviously, let's be honest, where you're going to get the majority of money. But what are some other ideas? You said you made quite a bit of money. I was, I'm surprised that you made that much in a, in a yard sale because that's uh Well, that's so yeah. So here's the trick. It wasn't just our stuff. <laughs> um, yes. So for about a month before the garage sale, we put, you know, we let all of our friends know. And honestly, I kind of think this was pre-Facebook days for me, you know, so it's in a way become even easier now, but we just kind of put the word out to all of our friends that we were going to have a fundraising garage sale and we wanted their stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and we would come pick it up and we just basically, none of us parked in our garages for a month, you know, and we we filled up our garages with stuff because so many people, you know, they'll declutter and then they'll just take their stuff to the thrift store. I mean, I do it most of the time because I'm like, I don't want to mess with a garage sale, you know? So they're happy to donate it to somebody who's going to make some money off of it. Mm -hmm. So we got some great stuff and we actually, so the garage sale was actually two weekends because after the first weekend and we did, I think we did Friday, Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Um, we still had so much stuff left over. So we took it all to my house because we started at my friend's house and had a garage sale there the next weekend. So it was kind of like two garage sales. But yeah. And then, you know, honestly, at the end of that second week, we were so tired of garage selling that we donated all of our stuff to actually, I think we donated it to somebody's baseball team or something that was going to have a garage sale. But looking back, like it would have been super easy to just, you know, put that in the side of the garage continue having people donate stuff to us, Mm -hmm. wait a few months until you got your energy back and do another yard sale. And, you know, if you're talking about a, you know, a two to three year adoption process, you could have four to six garage sales over the course of that time and, and bring in some good, you know, chunk of money. And it, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of a lot of work, but again, you, you know, a week, you know, prepping and then a couple days of selling and it's, it's a good return on money. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we did the garage sale. Um, like I said, my husband's kind of like an eBay, uh, guy. He has been since the beginning. And so, but we just kind of decluttered our own stuff first. And even in, even in the process of having people donate stuff for the garage sale, as we were going through it, we knew, like, we pulled out some stuff. We're like, oh, we can get way more money for that on eBay. Mm-hmm. Or that's a really nice piece of furniture. Let's try and sell it on Craigslist separately because we'll mm-hmm. get more money. Because people come into a garage sale want a bargain, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, you know, but now there's Facebook Marketplace. Um, that you can sell stuff on real easily, you know, and just even posting on your own social media with different things that you're kind of decluttering from your house. And again, ask people for stuff that they're trying to get rid of. And, and, you know, there are also people who, if you're good at eBay, you can list things for other people and take a commission fee off of it. There's people who do that full time, you know, they'll, you just drop off the product, they'll price it, take the pictures, they keep, you know, 20% as their fee plus, you know, plus the person pays for like the eBay fees and stuff. And then the rest goes to the, you know, the seller and stuff. So yeah, just look around. You'd be surprised at how quickly things add up. Mm -hmm. Just becoming aware of it. Yeah. This show, as well as all the many resources provided by Creating a Family at our website, creatingafamily.org, could not and would not happen without the generous support of our partners who not only believe in our mission of providing unbiased education and support to pre- and post-adoptive foster and kinship families, but they believe in that mission so much that they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. One such partner is... Vista Del Mar. They are a licensed nonprofit adoption agency with over 65 years of experience helping to create families. They offer home study only services as well as full service infant adoption, 
International Adoption Home Studies, and Post-Adoption and Foster to Adopt programs. You can find them and get more information about them at vistadelmar.org. All right, now I want to draw a distinction between what we've talked about up to this point, which is uh, second jobs, freelancing, selling your services, uh, yeah. for taking a second job, uh, doing a garage sale where you are somebody is paying you, but they're getting equal value for what for what they're paying, versus fundraising. Mm-hmm. Are, uh, which is making either uh, asking people to an event that they would normally not necessarily be coming to or asking outright for money. Um, yeah. now, how, how do you make the distinction between when you are, uh, when it's a fair exchange for money and when you're asking for money? What is different people have different ways of, of making that distinction in their head? How do you? Yeah, I usually make that distinction at the point of you're just flat out asking somebody for money, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's, you know, asking them to give toward a matching grant you have, which is maybe one of the more optimal circumstances um, so that, you know, their donation is getting matched dollar for dollar. So a lot of the events and there's some great fun ideas, they're fundraisers, but I think they're a little less controversial and a little easier to pull off because people are getting something, whether it's just Mm -hmm. entertainment, time hanging out with friends, you know, that sort of stuff in exchange for what, you know, they're giving. So to me, and I think the, you know, kind of the straight up asking for money is the thing that's hardest. Um, And a lot of people don't like the idea. And I always kind of say, great, you don't need to do that. Like if that's not something that you're comfortable with, there are plenty of other ideas for you to do it. Um, some people may feel that in their circle of people that they would be receptive to that idea. And so if you want to do it, it's great. I always caution people. I tell them one, you need to go into it with no expectations whatsoever because you will be surprised by who gives and also surprised by who doesn't. Um, you know, I talked to one gal and she's like, yeah, she's like, you know, my sister's family is really, really well off and, you know, they could have given like a huge chunk of money and they just didn't give anything. And I was like, if that's going to strain your relationships with people to like have them not give you money when they think you should, then don't do it. It's not worth it at all. Um, so I just really tell people, if you're going to do that, just don't have any expectations, um, your family may not give and, and that's okay. That's their choice. That doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean they don't support your adoption. It just means that's not what they're choosing to give money to. They may be giving money to lots of other different great resources that year. So, mm-hmm. um, so I always say no expectations and I think, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit too. You have to protect what you tell people when you're fundraising too. I think, you know, there's somewhat of this natural inclination and hopefully people through the adoption training process and learning process are learning, you know, we're not the saviors. We're not, we're not doing this. We shouldn't be doing this to be like, oh, they saved a child. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. the reason to adopt. And so in, in fundraising and in sharing the story, I think a lot of times it can come across that way, even if we Mm -hmm. don't intend it. Mm -hmm. But Sometimes it's just kind of where we're coming from at that point, especially early on in the adoption process. Especially early on. I will admit I did things wrong in lots of different areas, you know, throughout our adoption process. I'm a lot smarter now Mm -hmm. than I was 11 years ago. And I learned a lot, you know, and I continue to learn as an adoptive parent. So, um, you know, I would just caution you, like, don't, it's like, oh, you know, don't like these poor orphan children thing. You don't want to do that. You know, if that's, how you are going to appeal to people for money, just don't do it. Just use the other stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fundraising for adoption is a controversial topic. It's a controversial in adoption circles and it's controversial amongst some adult adult adoptees. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a number of reasons for that. And it does the reason that, that many adoptees, the adoptees who do object object because it is the saviorism. And, and what does that, what type of, Pressure is that to put on a child that that they were being saved. They were not only were their parents saving them, but the whole community was was in, as part of this savior mentality. Uh, 
Yeah. But I will also say that the reality is it is very hard to raise money if you're not going to sell the story. I mean, the story sells. So mm -hmm. it is unbelievably tempting to share yeah. information about, yeah. oh my God, she was dropped off on the side of the road and I really need, you know, we don't want her. She's, you know, she's probably not getting enough food. And so we, mm -hmm. we really, we're trying to hurry this up. Or, you know, nobody in the family, nobody in her family wanted her, but we do, or it is yeah. so, because quite frankly, if you, you know, let's say you do a, a, well, what some of the ideas for where people, let's say you're going to give a dinner, you know, at your church and you're going to have a spaghetti supper. Well, honestly, people would might think, oh, do I really, why are they doing it? And if you're selling it as a reason why, oh, we're trying to raise money to get to these children, bring them home and, and give them the love that they deserve. Well, that's going to meet more people will come if you sell that story. Yeah. But yeah. is that something you're going to feel comfortable with when your child's a teen and sees the ad that you put out for uh, raising the money? I think that's yeah, one thing. Exactly. To think about. Yeah. What will that kid think when they're 13 mm -hmm. and 16 and they're coming and asking you the, the harder questions and, you know, like, especially nowadays, like stuff lives on, you know, I've, I've gone back and pulled down blog entries that I posted, you know, during the process. But so I always kind of think like, okay, mm -hmm. imagine your child's friends when they're 13 or good grief, these days it could be eight Googling your child. Like, uh -huh. what will they find? You know, like, are they going to find their life story on the internet? Exactly. Um, you know, and I think, you know, my kids are older now and, and in the high school years, if I wanted to post something on social media, you know, particularly like a picture, or it's focused on them. I will ask them like, Hey, is it okay if I post, you know, blah, 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 blah. So imagine, you know, asking your child at age 16, if you can write what you're about to write, you know, or mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. And how would that make them feel? And, mm -hmm. and even if it's not on, you know, not on social media, if it's, you know, somebody in your church mm -hmm. and they come and, you know, 10 years later, they make a comment to your kid, mm -hmm. you know, like exactly. you just got to think through that stuff. And, I, and that's one of the areas I probably did not do as good a job as I should have early mm -hmm. on. I'm again, much smarter now. <laughs> well, I do think that we all learn as we go yeah. and hence why we're sharing this for the world now so that you can, the others can yeah. learn. I will also say that I have never once talked to a person who did not get their feelings hurt. If somebody that they thought could made the choice either not to give or not to buy a ticket or not to buy a puzzle piece or mm -hmm. not so much for garage sales, because that's a different issue as long yeah. as you're not, yeah. you know, people are coming in. And so I have never once I've talked to people who said up front, oh, it's going to be totally okay. But when your sister who, you know, you know, could afford to do yeah. it makes a choice not, it will hurt your feelings. Now, whether or not it will damage, and you may think it won't damage the relationship, but when you're telling somebody two years later about this event, you've remembered it. Yeah. And so that's another thing I warn people is that yeah. if you're going to ask for money or sell something where it's not really a, an even value where somebody's getting it, it, you need to really think about whether or not your feelings, whether it will hurt your ultimate relationship. Yeah, yeah. There's one other warning I have, and this I also think is very close to universal. And that is, if you are asking for money, your spending will be judged. Period. Oh, yeah. It absolutely, absolutely will. So <laughs> you buy a new, so you've asked for money and you see some uh, Tom sneakers that are just, or sandals that are absolutely adorable. And they were a decent price. So you buy them and they're brand new and you're showing them off. People are going to think, well, you know, if she's saving money, why did she spend that money on a pair of new sandals? Yeah. You know? Or you go on a family vacation and you post yep. vacation pictures. You know, we did one vacation. A friend had a camper at a KOA in San Diego and we could drive there. And, you know, so, mm -hmm. but even still, yeah, people, yes. people will look at how you spend your money and they may never say anything to you. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just a weird feeling to have mm -hmm. anyways. Um, you know, my husband, for many years, we were in ministry where he, you know, like missions work where his, his salary was support raised. And so it's kind of that same idea when, when somebody's yeah. giving you money, they want to see that, you're being like super frugal and they probably have standards that they wouldn't even place on themselves. Exactly. That's know? true. And so, that's so true, but it doesn't matter. Win. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it's well, and it's different when, when it's your salary that you're earning at, but yeah. you're right. I can oh, yeah. see that. But in this case, people would be thinking, 
well, if you want this so bad, if you want to adopt so bad enough that you're, you know, you're asking me to buy a puzzle piece, well, I'm saying that, you know, maybe you don't need to be, you know, going to Starbucks or right. uh, I keep picking yeah. out Starbucks. I shouldn't, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you don't need to be, uh, you know, I, I just saw, you know, you won't believe what she was buying at the grocery store. And even if they're not saying it, and even quite frankly, if they're not thinking it, you will probably think you, you will, will think, think, yeah. think it. Yeah. So it's something to think about. Yeah. And I've had, I had a family who, um, you know, they were in a process and I think if I remember correctly, you know, they were adopting a a toddler age child from Ethiopia and that like fell apart and they ended up like switching to maybe a U.S. adoption. I don't remember the exact circumstances, Mm -hmm. but there were people who had given money that were upset now because they were like, why wouldn't have given the money if I knew you were, you know, you're going to do this other thing, whatever it was I gave because adopting a U.S. infant is not the same as in my mind of, of, of my donation worthy as you adopting a a three-year-old from Ethiopia. Yeah. So you've got to consider that. What if something happens in the adoption fall? apart and you're still out the money because you know you've paid these fees along the way but how mm-hmm. you know yeah there's a lot well, of potential pitfalls <laughs> yeah that's actually that's actually a valid point as well well now that we've told you all the reasons to be giving double thought <laughs> before you do it let's give some what are some of the ways that people have been uh successful at yeah. uh, raising money let me, before we get there, let me just say that there are and this is a, to, re, to reiterate something you have said there are absolutely circles, and I particularly think of churches, mm-hmm. where if when you are, it is part of the church ethos that yeah. they are going to be supporting families who want to adopt. Mm-hmm. And in, in that environment, some of these cautions with the, the caution with other than the oversharing your child's story, uh, some of these cautions don't necessarily apply because it's truly part of the culture yeah. of that organization that people do this. So I, I, I say that as by way of saying that there are scenarios that I think that, that uh, again, I think you always have to be careful with the oversharing and yeah. I am the savior for this, uh, this, this child yeah. uh, that I would always be cautious of. Okay. Now, what are some ideas that uh, are less icky and, uh, <laughs> and, and effective? Well, one of my favorite ones, and it's really pretty effective, is there is an organization called Both Hands. Um, and it was started by a guy who he was trying to, oh, he was going to do like a golf fundraiser for uh, an organization, you know, like there's lots of places that do that. And so he kind of sent out these sponsor letters. Will you sponsor me to go play in this golf tournament for to raise funds for whatever it was? Um, was an adoption. And one of his friends wrote back and said, uh, I'm not going to pay you to go play golf. If you were helping a widow or something like that, I would consider it. So a year later, he's got some friends that are going to adopt two kids and he kind of remembers this thing. So he has this idea and he says, well, what if we gather a team of people together? We find a, a widow in our community who needs help around the house. Just, you know, minor repairs and landscaping and cleanup work and stuff like that, that just, you know, she doesn't have anybody to do. And we make a work day. We all come and do all this work, but people kind of sponsor us to do that basically is kind of the idea. So they tried it. So basically, you know, the adoptive couple got together 15, 20 friends those 15 to 20 friends sent out sponsorship letters and said, Hey, we're helping, you know, so-and-so they're adopting. Here's a little bit about their story, but we're helping this widow in this community, um, you know, do this thing. And would you consider sponsoring me and blah, 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 blah. And it was a huge success. And so he, out of that created a foundation called both hands. And so, and they help couples who are adopting, they kind of just walk you through the whole process of, of finding widows in your community who need support, um, how to organize it, what the letters look like, and all of that sort of stuff. And they're av- and then it comes as a grant, so they're like a five hundred one c three organization, um, and then that grant money goes to pay for adoption expenses. So if I was going to quote do an ask, that's about the most comfortable way that I think to do it because it really takes the focus off of you and your mm-hmm. adoption story. And yes, mm-hmm. we're doing this, but we're also helping members of our community. Um, and so their average grant ends up being around $10,000, which is a significant mm-hmm. chunk of change. It sure um, 
yeah. So like, so that's one, so that's one idea, like just kind of straight up ask, but there are so many, you know, you talked about a spaghetti dinner. I know families who have done like a pancake breakfast and they've raised several thousand dollars. Um, one of them combined it, it was Christmas time. So they had Santa there and they had photo ops and they did like, it, you know, like a donation based thing. They didn't charge like a set price. Um, and members of their church, like donated the eggs, you know, the farmers mm -hmm. donated the eggs and the bacon and all kinds of stuff. And so people will get involved in different ways and help you. Um, one of my favorite examples I talk about all the time, still 11 years later is, um, Kenny and Catherine and Kenny is a police officer. And so I always tell people like, think about your different circles of friends, right? You know, you've got your work friends and you might have your church friends and, you know, like maybe your neighborhood friends and different things will appeal to different people. And so they were trying to figure out like, you know, what can we do with Kenny's, you know, police officer buddies that would be fun. And so they created a karaoke night and, you know, they, they got a bar to let them have it there on like a Tuesday night. The karaoke place even like ended up donating their, the karaoke DJ or whatever, donating their services. And there was like a, a fee schedule. And I can't remember, it's in the book, but it's basically like you would pay, like five bucks and you would go sign somebody up to sing a specific song. You got to pick the song out and who was going to sing it. Oh Lord. And when, when, that, <laughs> oh, no. when that person's, <laughs> when that person's name was called, they could just go do it if they wanted to, or like they could pay five bucks and, and then make any other audience member come up with them, or they could pay like 10 bucks and whoever signed them up had to go sing the song. And then if people wanted to just come and like, but were horrified at the idea of singing, they paid a $20 flat fee and they bought just like those cheap Mardi Gras style bead necklaces and they were wearing those. So you knew like, oh, I can't sign up that person. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you can imagine like how much fun that event was. And Kenny had a goal. He said like, if we raise I think it was $1,200, which was kind of what they needed to make their next bill. He would cut his hair in a mullet, if I remember correctly. And so they raised $1,300 and he cut his hair in a mullet. And so I just think, you know, you can have some really fun, creative ideas that if me and my husband were going to go out for a night, uh -huh. spending $30 or $40 to laugh with our friends mm -hmm. and have a blast for a couple of hours would be totally worth it to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so really like, your options are limitless. Like it's only like as much as your creativity. So that's one of my favorite examples. And, you know, there's also all kinds of like, you know, things you can sell like sheets and, you know, different things. And, and you have to, you also have to, there's a couple things. One, you have to look like the return on investment, right? So I know a lot of people who maybe sell uh, you know, Tupperware or Mary Kay or these different kind of, you know, multi-level things. And they'll say, oh, well, I'll have a party for you and I'll donate my profits plus the normal thing and blah, blah, blah. Well, you may be asking all your friends to buy Mary Kay. I'm not picking on Mary Kay. I love Mary Kay. But you may be asking all your friends to buy Mary Kay for two weeks and pocket $125. Yeah. Right. And, and do your friends really want Mary Kay? Again, unless we shouldn't use Mary Kay, let's say, right. no. you know, Bob, you know, Billy Bob's, uh, Billy you Bob's. Know, yeah. <laughs> makeup or whatever. I mean, yeah. Do, do your friends really want that? Yeah, I, because I hate those. I hate being invited to. Oh, I hate going to. I used to go to when I was like 25. But. I hate it because I don't want this stuff. But if you yeah. go, you have to buy something because that's the expectation. And somebody has gone to the trouble of, you know, cleaning their house and, yeah. and, and, you know, got having uh, hors d'oeuvres or something. And so you think, Oh, I've got it. And well, I don't and want it. That's yeah. not how I want to spend my money. Yeah. And a lot of them you can do online these days, but still then you're putting that out on their social media and you have to understand there is fundraising fatigue. It is a real thing, mm -hmm. not only for you as the adoptive couple, because, you know, some people will say like, this feels like a second job, just working to pay for our adoption in all these yeah. different ways. And yeah, it kind of is. So get a second job if you're spending that yeah. much time. <laughs> exactly. If your social media feed is just full of buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, your friends are going to get tired of it. And you yeah. know, like for me too, I would rather give you the full $25 I was going to spend at your party rather than you get five of it and me Same. have this thing that I didn't really want, exactly. you know, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So 
that's why I really kind of encourage people do a variety of different types of things. Like if you're going to have one of those parties, just do one, you know, do one dinner type thing. Um, you know, have your garage sale, have that multiple times, but you've got to come up with different ideas of stuff for people to do. Otherwise, yeah, people are going to get tired of you asking for money. <laughs> if And it depends too, if your event or whatever is drawing from the same circle. A garage yeah. sale is totally different because you're oh, drawing yeah. from the whole community, anybody who wants to come and get the, you know, the blow up duck that you, you know, sit on the lake in yeah. that, you know, that's, that, that's drawing. So you're not overwhelming your friend set. Right. But other things that only your friends really would, you could invite to, or would mm-hmm. even come if you were to invite them. That's where you've got to be careful. Yeah. 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 Car wash, you know, same thing. That's anybody in the community. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, you can really look around at, you know, what do baseball teams and youth groups and, and then those other types of organizations, what do they do that I could adopt? Mm-hmm. Intended um, for the, <laughs> for these purposes, you know, and and you might need friends to help you with it or that sort of stuff. But I really just, you know, there's so many different types of things. I think people just need to sit down and brainstorm. Again, the book is full of tons of ideas. It is, um, and pick the things that feel right to you um, and to your spouse. And depending on your time frame you know, space them out, figure out how you can do it in a, in a way that makes sense. Look at seasonal type things, you know, get a job as Santa Claus in the mall. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, what are, what can you take advantage of as far as seasons? Um, if you're going to sell anything, you know, a lot of people do t-shirts. I, again, same, same caution as we kind of talked about the oversharing, what is the messaging on your shirt? Mm-hmm. as far as adoption, if it is about adoption. And I always tell people like, if you can be a little bit more generic, you'll have a much wider circle because, uh, you know, not everybody may want to buy the adoption rocks t-shirt and wear it, but they might buy one that says, uh, you know, act justly have mercy. I don't know what I can, now I can't think of the script. six, eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, or just the shape of the country that you're, you know, like there's a lot of different ways that that might appeal to a bigger audience, but like, don't just print 500 shirts and try to sell them, you know, do pre-orders, that sort of stuff. You want to be careful of what money you're having to invest in something that you may or may not get back. Yeah. Well, now we should also talk about adoption grants and loans. Uh, Both are options. Uh, And let's start with talking about adoption grants. Sure. How effective are they? And I think, first of all, let's talk realistically. What type of adoptions are more likely to receive a grant? Yeah. And, you know, I think it varies on the organization. Um, and for, well, first of all, we should, there's three types of adoption grants, really. There's ones that are really just a fundraising avenue for you. It's a place where people can donate money to, they get a tax receipt, and then that organization gives you money for your adoption or reimburses you as you incur expenses and that sort of stuff. So, and they'll take anybody, right? Um, a lot of times there's an administrative fee. So you want to look at that. Um, Almost always know. there is, right? Yeah, yeah. So like how much are they taking there? And then there's matching grants. And so it's, if you fundraise, we will match it up to X number of dollars. I think ABBA Fund is one of those. And, or Life Song for Orphans is one too. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they'll say, we'll, ha- we'll give you a $3,000 matching grant you need to raise the money and then we'll match it. Obviously better, more selective. Um, and then there's the outright grant. You know, you, uh, you apply for it and they award you $5,000 or whatever it is. And, and again, usually it's either paid directly to your adoption agency or it's reimbursed expenses that you can show receipts for and that sort of stuff. And you do need to keep track of how much grant money you get for adoption tax purposes. But because um, I think it factors in there somewhere. And I would also encourage people to, I mean, look up the resources. You have great ones, but don't, if you have a CPA do your taxes every year, a bunch of them have no idea what to do with Mm -hmm. the adoption tax credit. And Mm -hmm. there's some, there's some definitely like ways to do things correctly that give you a better chance of getting it done faster and not asking for more documentation and that sort of stuff. There's an organization called 
Adoption Tax Services in Illinois. They are a fantastic resource. They will do taxes mm -hmm. for people across the U.S. They've also like refiled taxes for people who have claimed the adoption tax mm -hmm. credit prop before but didn't get enough of it or, you know, different things. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep track of that. But so... You know, I mean, you have to look at the different grant organizations, and there are a lot of them. There's some big names that I think, you know, are publicized a different, of a lot of different places. Show Hope, I, you said Life Song, Abba Fund. These are kind of some of the ones, at least in Christian circles. Um, oh, what is Becky Fawcett's? Um, oh, um, shoot, I'll look it up here. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I can't I think of the name. I just forgot it too. It yeah, will come but to she, me. Just but minute, hers yeah. is specific for adopting in the U.S., you know, and so they have different different requirements. And, you know, it's kind of hard because the application process is usually pretty lengthy, but they mostly ask the same information. So if you're organized, you can keep it all together and just, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Um, but they're going to want to know what are your assets, what are you doing to help contribute to the adoption. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're also, almost all grants are limited to, not, not all of them, I shouldn't say that, many, and because that's not true, it's not all, many are limited to, are, are there more available for special needs, adopting children with special needs? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And the definition of that can be very, very different, too. That's another thing. So, like you know, special needs for some organizations, they may consider adopting older kids mm -hmm. kind of special mm -hmm. needs, right? Because those kids often wait longer, but, and special needs too. I think people, when you're talking about adoption and considering what type of adoption and what you're open to, you know, special needs is a spectrum of things mm -hmm. from very, very minor things like a blood disorder that unless that kid marries an a person with the same blood disorder than their kid would have problems, you know, but the, the country checked the box and that's a special need. So um, mm -hmm. I would say too, like, this is just not on the course of affording adoption, but don't like blanket say no special needs if some of those things, you know, you'd be open to, but yeah. So you have to look at the different organizations. So I didn't find a lot when we were applying for them mm -hmm. and I felt it's a little like paying for college now with my kids. I don't make enough money to pay cash for it, but I make too much money to get all the financial aid, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I applied to some of the big ones, which obviously they get a ton of applicants and it's really hard. And I've talked at length with uh, Kathy from Show Hope and she's like, you know, there's not a magic thing that we can tell you that says, yes you know, these are the seven criteria we look for. We look at the whole picture, you know, and so there's not, you know, there's not like a checklist of things you can do that, boom, you're going to get it. And so mm -hmm. I think that's frustrating for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the other thing to be cognizant of is, do you have to pay an application fee? Mm -hmm. Because I've talked to a number of people who have spent money, I mean, significant, not significant, but 50 to a hundred bucks, you know, or yeah. 20, even 25, if you multiply it times three or four that add up. Uh, and it's also time. And it's, oh, so, yeah. 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 And Becky Fawcett's group is that, help us adopt. Yes, 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 yes. 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 I, I should <laughs> have known <laughs> Now I know I really, I should have known that too. Uh, yeah. And let me also go back to something you said about the adoption tax credit. We have had, I can't tell you the number of people who have had to have told us that they had their CPA or whoever was doing their taxes. We do an annual, uh, we actually have a course that mm -hmm. we, uh, here's a you know selfless plug, but we do have one of our courses yeah. on the annual adoption tax credit and they have their tax provider listen to it. And you keep in mind too, for your adoption tax, for the adoption tax credit, you do not need to use a tax preparer that's near you. Almost all of the, so you can select one who truly specializes mm -hmm. in the adoption tax credit. And now with digitally, you just can send them everything. You could scan yeah. it in there or you could stick it all in a, a box and send it to them. All right. Yeah, make sure you save all of your receipts, you know, copy checks that you mm -hmm. write to places like everything because you will need all that. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a word of advice. And then last, let's talk about loans. Uh, I know that your book and you and you personally made the choice to not yeah. take a loan because yeah. you were doing it without going into debt. And and I will say that there is starting off 
with more children or starting off a family with children or we are adding to your family with additional children and we in insignificant debt add stress. I mean, it just yeah. does mm -hmm. period, but there are loans available. Yep. Uh, some at, at, at more favorable rates mm -hmm. because of, a, of adoption, there's adoption specific loans available. Yeah. And then there's other loans, home equity and stuff like that, that you can also do. Yeah. So, you know, and I realize, I mean, what are you going to tell somebody who's like, oh, I go to pick up my kid in two months or the birth mother's due in two months and I need $10,000 and we only have four. I mean, I'm not going to tell them, oh, we'll just give up, you know, like, and, you know, as, as a Christian, I, we saw really cool ways that God showed up for us in delivering funds and everything, but you know, that's, that's our experience and that's our story. So, I would certainly, obviously, shop around, you know, the credit rates, that sort of stuff. I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know people that like pull money out of their retirement savings, which you got to look at the long-term, you know, the long-term pros and cons of that and the penalties you pay and the taxes you pay and all of that sort of stuff. And so, and then, you know, my advice would be pay it off as fast as you can, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, basically a Dave Ramsey thing of getting out of debt. And so, you know, if after that child comes home, you know, don't just sit there going, oh, well, I'm going to get that tax credit. And so I'm just going to make minimum payments. Go ahead and as you're able, pay extra on it. Um, you know, you're kind of in this, hopefully in this this mode of, of sacrifice and, you know, we're we've already scrimped and, and all of that sort of stuff. And we're, we've been operating in that way for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, what's another, if you can do it for another six months and really mm -hmm. pay that loan off fast, it will relieve such a huge burden for you because mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the expenses don't stop there. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have might have readoption expenses if you adopted internationally, or, you know, it's $550 to get a certificate of citizenship per kid, you know, if you have to, mm -hmm. you know, so there's, and, and then of course, like, you know, I mean, there's medical bills, there's all kinds of stuff. And so you are going to have some extra expenses too, but just, you know, pay it off as soon as you can. And if you think you're maybe going to adopt again, you know, start putting money away right away and start saving mm -hmm. toward that next time. So you can maybe be a little bit farther ahead, but mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to go sit and judge anybody for taking out an adoption loan. So, mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of other things that can be done along the way to make that smaller for you and be less stressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Thank you, Julie Gum, author of Adopt Without Debt, Creative Ways to Cover the Cost of Adoption. I appreciate your wisdom and your information today. Let me remind everybody that the views expressed in this show are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of creating a family, our partners, or our underwriters. And keep in mind that the information given in this interview is general advice. To understand how it applies to your specific situation, you need to work with your adoption or foster care professional. Thank you for joining me today, and I will see you next week.